0: Going Off the Track is not the name of this podcast. That's a completely different one. You're in the wrong spot. This is Going Off Track. I am Steven in the room with me, Jonah and Brad. We got. We should do like a roll call thing. Like every time, I'm like, going off track, here. roll call. Yeah, we're here. Present. Uh, today's guest is Mr. Steven Van Patten. Uh, Jonah and I met Steve a while ago working in the bowels of Fuse. He was a stage manager for one of our shows. Steven's Untitled
1: Rock Show. Steven's
0: Untitled Rock Show. Listed by
1: Steven Smith.
0: Some of you written by Jonah Bayer, produced by Michael Cangemi, and before him, a whole bunch of people. Um,
1: Available on Nickelodeon.
0: Nickelodeon, yes. (laughs) Nick.com. We're on on TV land. Canceled by many people. Canceled by a lot, (laughs) out of spite and anger and hatred. Which is funny because uh, Stephen Van Patten, a celebrated uh, author, he has a series of books called Brookwater's Curse. Please check them out. They are wonderful. We're going to talk to him about his writing. But Stephen is one of those fabulous behind-the-scenes people of television known as the stage manager. And we get into what he does and how he does it and how very few people can do it as well as he can. You go out in television, especially in New York, it's the same four or five folks, and they're really solid at it. Um, and he's worked on so many shows, dude, like from Carson Daly to, to TRL forever. TRL, yeah. He worked on the the Dr. Oz show for a while. He was over there. Really? Yeah. He's done a whole bunch of shit. Um, just a really good dude. And you talk to him, and you're like, "Wait a minute, you, this, you do other things." And he's this author, and he talks a lot about vampires, vampires, and diversity. Yeah. In the course of it. And ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in a long time, Mr. Michael Canjemmy. Yeah.
1: I'm so glad he was here because it was such like a Stevens Rock Show reunion. And oh, yeah. a lot of you listeners probably think that Mike is a myth.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's a real person.
1: He's just mythological. Yeah. He's just mythological.
0: Yeah. In fact, we just mythed him. So, uh, <laughs> boom. That was a good one. I like it. Really I think he's up on you. <laughs> Jonah. Uh, Steve Van <laughs> Patten is a very good dude. Please check out his books. And I can't remember the publisher, but we're going to link to it and you can check out everything he's written. He has, it's hard to come up with an original take on vampires, and Steve has done it. So without further ado, uh, Stephen Van Halen. Sorry, Stephen Van Patton. <laughs> okay, everybody. This one is going to be enjoyable, and they all are, but this one, mostly for us. You are going to learn a lot of cool stuff. Um, By the way, Joan and I are going to fade to the background when our guest talks with Mike Kangemi about horror, so just bear with us because we're all going to learn, but please welcome Mr. Steve Van Patten, acclaimed author and... You don't know this, but we're going to tell you. Acclaimed stage manager, he worked with us at Fuse, and he works with a lot of amazing performers and artists. He's done things that, well, he's going to give you an insider's look at stuff you don't think about. So, Steve, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's about fucking time.
2: I, I, I. Yeah, I know.
0: I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no no you do this thing what's that thing work work yeah, <laughs> yeah i've heard of that yeah <laughs> takes uh you and mike both the, do that thing yeah. Me and steven not so much no not really i No, well, really. you yet. might work a lot for free jonah yes <laughs> that is true that
1: is true oh you mean like this yeah, yeah. exactly like this oh.
0: <laughs> this is it actually this is all pro boner this is this awesome is- by the way i love this room thank you very much we have nothing to do with this thanks to uh super producer brad we just have the benefit of being the luckiest podcast in existence i dig it by being able to piggyback on this awesome space so uh this is just going to be fun because we've had friends here before we've had colleagues here before we haven't had someone who was with us during the days of the untitled rock show oh oh, and, oh wow yes and, and you were there for quite a bit i was Quite a bit, and so I just want to dive into. We, we talk about the episode that we feel got us canceled, and I'm not sure if you were the stage I, manager. I was
2: there, and uh, okay. <laughs> actually, I just had a conversation about this with somebody, really? not in reference. Because it just kind of came up randomly, because it was kind of um, revolutionary in just the fact that it was really different.
3: Thank yeah, you. When I went back to Fuse to just to recently, uh, Nidra came up to me, and she said. This I just wanted to thank you for the, one of the greatest days of my life in the control room. And That's right. I said, what? And she was like, the Steven uh, sleeping episode. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And we, literally, we all had a good laugh and we talked about it. We were just like, I can't believe. Well, you can set it up a little. Yeah, you should yeah.
0: explain to people what it set is, up maybe. The st- yeah. All right. So yeah. when the, the hierarchy of, of the rock show, the, I hosted the show, Mike produced it, Jonah wrote it. And um, there were some other people um actually <laughs> it was just us it was pretty much <laughs> was just like us, us. Much yeah. Much yeah um uh yeah the the wonderful talent department who chose the the videos and booked the guests and um uh one such person the talent department uh booked us chrissy hind and we were stoked about having her on pretenders but it came with a lot of demands came with a lot of stipulations that fell on jonah which I, I think it's safe to say ruined how he feels about the pretenders. If he had any feelings to begin with, they were the, lukewarm to begin with, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I, I've never seen Jonah angry before. Uh, mm-hmm. This was, I think the first time
3: mm-hmm. I saw Jonah rage. I never it wasn't, it was angry. It was like, it was, Pure rage, I saw.
0: No, and I think we kind of encouraged it.
1: You did. Rob Kreb wrote an email to me from a fake Chrissy Hind account that he made up. That was like, hey, Jonah, it's Chrissy. Just wanted to let you know there's like eight more things I need you to take care of before I'll like sit. And I was like, and I kind of thought it was her. Like I was incredibly gullible. I was like, Chrissy Hind's emailing me now. And like people were like, Jonah, it's not really Chrissy Hind. Like you need to chill
0: out. Stood up, hurled her album across the bullpen of food. <laughs> yeah. This is Jonah. And then... Uh, she had the nerve to cancel well last minute. Can,
3: right. can I also bring up the fact that I wear lots of boots, and she said no one uh can wear anything resembling leather, even if it's not real leather. I couldn't wear I'm like, I can't wear my boots,
2: and you know up until now, I thought that was kind of
3: a joke or that
2: was a prank because and it, for those of you that don't know me uh I'm known for wearing a lot of leather. <laughs> <laughs> I know that doesn't. That doesn't sound mean, right. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, good, it's a different That's visual right at reading. all. But yeah. boots, mostly. well, boots,
3: jackets, jackets
0: yeah. all that stuff. Not like right. chaps. No. no chaps, as they're called. Actually, right. sorry. No. Do I? Have a and thank of you for chaps? not saying assless chaps. No, it annoys the shit, shit out of they, me. because none Isn't of them that, have asses. Is that
3: implied? Right, it's implied. If you say assless,
0: if if you have no pants
3: on under chaps, if they're not assless, they're pants. You're being,
0: you're being an asshole. Anyway,
2: anyway, go ahead. So i had heard all cause somebody had come up to me he's like oh yeah she's not gonna like you and i'm like
3: <laughs> well, what the huh what wait so yes yeah. backing on that I, had, I bought i had i wore sneakers and i brought my boots in a bag that day and i was so mad about it i actually <laughs> bought them just because i wanted to wear boots and i was like you know what <sighs> i'll wear sneakers for you I here's the thing like i'm all it, yeah. for
1: animal welfare and like i have plenty of vegan friends but i feel like imposing that on like people yeah. who like are just doing their jobs you know what i mean like to me like that is like crossing a line where you're crossing into other people's like do whatever you want for yourself <laughs> that's totally right yeah just, yes. i don't care don't put that on other don't people. make me
0: not exactly. wear my boots i heard a story that even paul mccartney he didn't want animal print because he thought that was exploitive
1: animal crackers i heard
0: yeah that's true <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> completely. <laughs> That's very funny. Thank so, you. so then she had the gall to cancel like what, like an hour before? Like, totally, last minute. Also, yeah. and, not and to she keep was like, back, "I got, I wasn't,
3: no one was allowed to touch her. I couldn't shake her hand. That was a big thing in the in the paperwork. I got. She was
1: like promoting yeah. some weird album with like this, like her, her, some like young guy who was like, and it was like really boring. I was like, this, yeah, I, had that album, I was too. like, why? I don't know. It was like you know, like she hadn't had like done anything relevant in so long, and I was like, this is a long list for someone who's like could walk down like seventh avenue no one would probably recognize her anymore anyways <laughs> i don't know where this comes from i'm like so mellow, mellow with everything else this is like such a raw nerve for me yeah, I mean, chrissy
0: hind and juno man yeah chrissy hind and off.
1: juno those are my two achilles heels <laughs> anyways go ahead sorry wow. so
0: he bails and in the tv world even if you think there's no script that's someone who did an excellent job of writing because there's scripts for everything even these reality shows that aren't there's always a script. There's something going on. So we needed a script. And when you're down to it, the script has to go down to the control room. You have to, have to have things plugged in. There are graphics that need to be done. We were all set with this. And all of a sudden we have nothing. And mind you, we've discussed before our slacker mentality. We would do them, you know, we would start in the morning. You know, we weren't too ahead of the game, but it was a fucking video rap show. We weren't carrying cancer, you know? Yes. So she, she bails and... Mike, take it from here
3: and then steven uh look comes into the control room and looks at me and he goes well chrissy heinz canc- chrissy Hein canceled uh we're doing it and i said we're doing what <laughs> no <laughs> no i saw his face and he goes we're doing it and he's got this like smirk on his face where i knew it was happening anyway and at this point you were exec you had a- a- you were exec producer you you Trump could Trump me anyway, even if I was like, we're friends, I'm going to get fired. And you were like, we're doing it anyway. Exec producer. And I was like, oh, God damn it. So in hindsight,
0: we did get fired.
3: Yeah. But it was actually one of the fun. So I was like, I guess. Well, and then I turned around and I looked at Whitney was in the control room with us. Our production production manager. Production manager. And she goes, what are you guys doing? And I was like, just don't just relax. Don't worry about it. Uh, I guess we're doing it. Like, fuck it. We're doing it. And I started to think maybe this is actually going to be kind of funny. And we started, you know, so Steven's like, we're doing the, the sleep episode, which, which is an idea he's been tossing <laughs> around for years, a long time. And basically it just meant we're going to, he was going to sleep through his host reads in different positions and just go to videos.
0: So then someone has to tell our stage manager, this is what's happening. And yeah. you're basically going to be cueing someone with their eyes shut. And we had a couch and we had a chair. So there were options. We oh, could yeah. do, You know, there was a lot of
3: <laughs> options
2: we had, uh, well, it was. Uh, I think the words you said to me when you first walked up on set were, "Well, you're in for the easiest payday of your life." <laughs> I, and I was like, what? Because I'm, I'm still like, "All right, am I supposed to strip now because this woman is coming?" Right. And, <laughs> so now I'm, I'm getting hit with easiest day of your, you know, yeah, I got to do the show nude because, right. because. You know, animal activist crazy person's coming and now we're going
0: to slaughter this goat in front of her because that's (laughs) if i had a goat. but um
2: yeah and then you show up and and you're like okay and then it was it was surreal and i like halfway through it i had to like literally hold my hand over my mouth because i was i was about to bust out laughing i
3: never actually heard the control room all hysterically laughing at once Like, like everybody was belly laughing oh yeah yeah I mean, basically, and it was my best, I think it was one of my best jobs producing ever, where I'd be like, uh, Stephen, can you crouch a little bit, like, yeah, pull, tuck your knees up? Beautiful. Okay, <laughs> we're ready. You know, and we'd put you in a few different positions. I mean, yeah. you know. It was, it was a couple, that was like face down, it yeah. was like kind of fetal. Yeah, fetal of, was a, good, it, it was a yeah, like it was a little a bit feel. falling off the chair, you know, cuddling with
0: the- The camera the, <laughs> operators were having a ball. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, it was hilarious. We did some beautiful camera moves. <laughs> I'd like to think that for a lot of the camera operators that we've, that we've worked with who've all gone on to, say, The Tonight Show um, and other fine programs, watch what happens live and such, that you know, we really prepped them. Mm-hmm. Dude, we made,
3: it was like tr- serious training ground. Mm -hmm. that episode and well the other funny part was we didn't tell um our our bosses uh and that's where production management came in to me and was like you can't just let this happen like you have to go tell somebody and i said no i don't i don't want to uh i think what we're i think we're just gonna do it and then hope that nobody sees it and that's when like Whitney had like a panic attack, and she like she was like, "I can't! It's not happening!" And I was like, "No, no, it's happening! It's we're, we're sh- right now! It's happening!"
0: It's, nobody's watching the feed. Thank God, it <laughs> didn't get us canceled. The writing was on the wall because they already fucked us out of our rerun, and they took us from the coveted, you know, after school time slot and put us in the mid afternoon. Yeah. So and then not getting a rerun, you know, and on a digital cable channel at the time where everything is done in rotation. So every few hours, everything happened again. Mm-hmm. They fucked us out of that. So yeah. like, did, I, did you ever
1: hear any specific like feedback from any high ups at fuse? About? I heard,
0: I heard one gentleman that we all know and loved. Uh, he said, I saw the sleep show and that was it. Because then the next step, how did he say it? Uh, kind of in the nonchalant dickish way. He always spoke. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, huh. <laughs> Oh, uh, God bless it. Um, and he went on to annoy everybody. But uh, the next, then we shot the next set of episodes and all I did was go, man, I was tired. <laughs> That's how I opened the next show. I thought that was the funniest part of the whole thing you so, we really yeah, had to watch it episodically. <laughs> I thought
3: we got some good feedback on, from the, like, the fans on the sleep episode. I think people, the kids were like all
0: into it. And people who don't didn't like me as a host, they you know really dove on. Like, that was the best work you've ever done. That was some solid shit. Yeah, that was. I good. feel
1: like I wrote a script for it, and you were like, "No, nah, we're good." <laughs> like I was yeah. like, threw something together. You're like, "Don't no worry words. about it. And it we're like, good."
0: Sorry. No, it was pretty amazing. No, do not apologize. Um, I want to uh, talk about all the the fun uh, writing you do after this because we had someone on the show one time. Uh, who was a casting director, and she also did a web series. Mm -hmm. Then we just dove in and just got really cool and insider because people don't think about the magic of television and the inner workings. And Mm -hmm. I remember there was a period at Fuse where they said, well, we're going to cut corners and we're going to hire just a floor producer. And I remember going, no, you need to have a stage manager. Like, this is very important. And how does one begin well, basically running the show on the floor when you're a stage manager, because you have the headset on, you're talking to everybody and everything, and you have to be the liaison between the host, the talent, like the whole thing. How did you get started doing that?
2: Well, I started off like most people behind the scenes. I'm doing production assistant work, and uh, I was taken under the wing of a stage manager, uh, because it's kind of funny how it worked out. He wanted to direct, but he needed someone to take his place on the floor if he was going to be in the control room. It's sort of like a, like a little mentoring circle that I kind of fell into over at HBO Downtown Productions. See, it's about a million years ago. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, uh, stage managing is funny because it's one of those things that you look really cool doing it. And other people are all like, "Oh wow, that's so this, that's so that." and how'd you?" But depending on the show, it can be absolute misery, because simply because you're kind of caught between what everybody else wants, what the director wants, what the producers want, and the directors and the producers aren't always uh, communicating, especially if you have a floor producer who's getting the information about what the producer wants before you get it, because you're just talking to the director. So what will happen is, and, you know, like most control rooms are built with a front row and that's the director and most of the people I'm talking to. And the back row, which is mostly producers and all of the, you know, and supposedly everybody's supposed to interface and work together. But, you know, it's always been the case, you know, just because we work in a communication business, that doesn't always mean we can communicate.
0: No, especially when someone's sitting directly in front of you and you're not supposed to talk to them. You're supposed to hit them. Talk to them on the headset, right, Mike? Yes. yes. I don't
3: do that But in the control room. I just blurt. I'm loud and, you know, I'm a different... Also, by the way, working... I'm different to work with than a lot of people that you probably work yes, with. Yes, you totally. are. Being, I mean, just that I'm not awful. Like, I Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And
2: I got a nice <laughs> reminder of that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah.
3: Oh, my God, though. We had a... I'm not mentioning any names, but we. I saw, I saw you look like you wanted to, like, headbutt somebody because you have to also deal with people's people that want to be on set the entourage of the celebrity who often have
2: themselves confused with the
3: actual celebrity (laughs) who chime in
2: and And decide in
3: the middle of post reads that they don't want them to say a certain thing yes
2: apparently one of the reads the the young lady in question that we're Mm -hmm. sort of referencing but without bringing up the actual name uh was it chrissy did, hind no no, was, no. <laughs> not. i would it
3: have is had to not. be naked that yeah. would yeah. been a whole other I thing been, i would have been in like sneakers oh, and that. just grumpy yeah. yeah
2: and you know because and since i bless i i basically dress like blade the vampire slayer <laughs> half the time yeah i i would just had to be in my underwear yeah you um, remember
3: the read though you could, but yeah.
2: yes i remember the, the there was this one read where i guess they didn't like I guess
3: rice. She didn't want to issue? say. Uh, so the line that uh, was written was, "It's we we're doing. It's a show. We we're doing some steamy videos, and it's it's about to get so steamy in here. We could cook <laughs> rice or something along the lines of that. You know, it was a. And she's like, I don't want to. I don't, don't want to say. I don't want to say. And I was like, you don't want to say what? What does she <laughs> want to say? She doesn't want to say rice. She doesn't want. She wants to say way instead of rice. And I was like, like curds and way. (laughs) And I'm like, uh, everyone's like, Mike, what do you think? And I was like, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna headbutt my keyboard. Hold on. And (laughs) no, why can't you say rice? And she, it was her. And that held that held us up for 20 minutes. Yeah, no,
2: literally. Yes, way.
1: She. (laughs) 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 Ah, see what she did there. Um, (laughs) no, (laughs) Jonas.
0: I really didn't do that one on purpose. I was wondering. That's amazing. I really
1: didn't.
2: Um, that was still good. Yeah, she- I, I chimed in with, I guess we need a gluten-free script.
3: Um, uh, that's funny as uh, shit. I, yeah. <laughs> but that <laughs> uh, was, you know. That's
0: my favorite thing about stage managers is hacking someone else's good idea, which I know I did to you like a thousand times. That's all I'll <laughs> host you anyway. It's like, oh, that sounds good. I'm going to make it sound like me. Probably, yeah. Which is perfect. But if people don't realize that, you know, you have the pre tape shows, which we can all agree you're just <laughs> like, oh, God, punch me in the face. Because, you know, you're just sitting there for days. But then you have the live shit, which is... Uh, at least for me is always fun even if it's a terrible show
2: yes 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 live
0: is always preferable what was your did you start doing live because it did you you did tRL right i did tRL i did tRL on and off but pretty much from beginning to end wow yeah and that i mean from watching that you just that's got to be complete insanity uh yes it was not not the worst thing i've done
2: since, but definitely a very intense show to work on
0: It was live every day for how many hours was it um usually one hour sometimes
2: it went to ninety minutes um the hours uh, the airing hours always changed because of course it was geared towards kids, mm-hmm. so in the summer uh it, it was the the air times would change you know because it was like oh yeah well they're not in school a lot of times we did the summer programming in a beach house somewhere so you'd spend a few weeks or even a month in san diego or you know florida or something like that um it was a crazy time it was it was back when mtv had money and they were uh you know somewhat concerned with music
1: What's how's the dynamic different when you're doing your job if there's like a live audience kind of like right next to you? Does that change things? It, yeah, it does. It's um,
2: it's another thing to worry about because now you're you're bringing in the general public, and even with a casted audience, you have to. Well, you have to worry about their safety. You have to worry about the one there's always one idiot i was going to say that <laughs> asshole you know he's going to be there yeah oh yeah and i've had i've had yeah. situations i did a hip hop thing here's a surprise i did a hip hop thing <laughs> for mtv uh once and one of the guys in the audience was wanted police actually came and it was live so the police actually showed up scoured through the crowd as they were fucking walking out and picked the dude up and it was like Wow, you are an idiot. That's like, really, you had to see Meek Mill's that bad? Did you like really? It's like you're just looking at the dude. Like, what? It's like, you know. So it, there's always that. There's always there's always the the one girl that wants to talk her way past you so they can get to Jazzy J. Uh, it, 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 it's just it's yeah, uh, having an audience. And it's funny because I also, after, you know, post-TRL, I've done plenty of things. And one of the things I did post-TRL was the Jeremy Kyle show, which is a conflict resolution as I, you know, do little quotation fingers type show and where I actually had to walk up on stage and hand in the DNA results and the lie detector. I never told you this. No. Um... <clears throat> yeah, so I would have to hand this stuff in, walk back off, and whatever. I mean, great crew, great host. Subject matter had me drinking more than I have ever <laughs> been drinking in my life. I I, I was going home twisted. I, and, and would burn sage, because I, I was... I mean, you know, it's like babies and dumpsters and all this oh, other gosh. heinous, heinous stuff. But I have Facebook friends from that audience now because I we we would spend so much time together that I, and, and it's mostly, you know, older women, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, then they would all be like, you're so cute, you're so cute doing your little stage manager job. <laughs> And you know, so then you know, it's like, and it was funny too because you know, you you get the friend request and you're like, you have Facebook? You're like 80 years old. With like, like it's hey, all I have. Whatever, <laughs> it's fine. It's like, well, like face lift book, but hey, oh. Oh, wow,
0: nice. before Jonah, that's know, amazing. I'm impressed with
2: That thank you, <laughs> thank nice work. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely been an interesting ride to say the least. It always
0: amazed me that you know, from. The production side you know you work on your scripts you get everything mm-hmm. and then you've got the director and the stage manager and the crew who were never involved in that process but then you just have to they're just so good at their jobs they're like okay this is what we're going to do like you never saw a script to like what an hour before if if, that, if you yeah. know and then you and have sometimes to, I still don't sometimes I, I just get handed a rundown oh god and so like, that just okay. blows my mind that that and we for those of you who don't understand television, I don't mean that in a um, derogatory way. It's weird. It depends on where you work. Like what we yes. did was if it was with a major network, there would have been 30 people doing that. Like like Jonah would have had a team of writers working underneath him true. to put all this stuff together, which Very I true. would love to have seen. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, Sure. That's good. Cool. <laughs> you need more puns. you know. And then there was like a whole group of people. So you've run the gamut of shows with, Tons of teams, yes. and small crews. Like, which do you like better? Actually, um, I
2: prefer. Well, both have both have their strengths and weaknesses, pluses, minuses. But uh, I prefer small and intimate. And you've worked on like like
0: did you do, did you work on the John Oliver show at HBO? I did the uh, the premiere. Oh, dude, that's just like you have like all these shows and people you have to work on that. <clears throat> I'm sure people get to ask you, are they as cool as they as you want them to be? Yes. See, that's the best part.
2: And that would be one of the cases where, where John Oliver is totally as cool as you would want him to be. Uh, one of the other misgivings, though, is more often than not, I will run into somebody who will be a complete ass to me. And... Up until that moment, they were almost like a hero. Like, Morgan Freeman did that to me. Oh, oh no. Morgan Freeman, like, like, I mean, he he might, like, and this was for BET tonight with Ed Gordon, came out on set, oh, it's too cold in here. And from then on, I mean, did everything outside of kick me in the balls. I mean, was just complaining and nasty the whole way. And it was just like, wow. And you can't okay. say
0: or do anything. <clears throat> nope. <sighs> uh. See, that's where you and I differ. Well, we have to. I know. God bless it. That's why I always fall back on passive aggression. Like, really? Too cold? Because you're old, right? (laughs) (laughs) And that's why we do a free podcast.
2: That's exactly why we do a free podcast. Damn it to hell. Yeah, there are are times I have to swallow it. And then I think you've been there a couple of times when I don't. Yeah.
0: Which is always funny. Yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just think it's awesome. Now, and this is the fun thing about... Like, people are, you know, stage managing. You can have a long career. There's not that many of you out there. No. Um, And everyone seems to know each other. And like most hosts that I know, everybody's pretty cool. Like And and when you meet up, it's, oh, you did that gig. Oh, I did that. That's cool. That was crazy. And you trade stories and stuff. But then you have this other job that is your job that I heard about from you and others were like, you got to check out uh, Steve's books. And I went, wait, what? What does he do? And they said, oh, he writes uh a series about vampires and i went well of course he does i knew that immediately upon meeting him <laughs> that's kind of his thing but how long have you been working on these books and now there's a series what there's uh, it's three now three man it's just awesome uh i heard about it from a very good friend of ours she's a producer becky over at uh, fuse she was like dude they're awesome and then i look at it and i see the artwork on the cover and i'm like this artwork looks familiar and it's our good friend, former podcast Jim Shear, guest, Jim Shear, who drew it. Uh, how long have you been into these kind of stories? How does horror play in your life, and when did you decide to start it yourself? Oh my God, well, that's how much a lot time right do there. we have? Um, um, <clears throat> I wanted to get a question in in parts because well, Mike's I mean, going to take go, over. No, but
3: you you need to explain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a good
2: no. See, from a very very early age, I found myself watching vampire movies um and i mean christopher lee was probably my first real like pull in and what was amazing about him is some of those movies he barely says 10 words but his presence is just like and you know you're as a little kid you're literally under the bed um but, of course, being a little kid, breaking, you know, sneaking around, waiting until my mother's asleep and, you know, watching all these movies and doing all this other craziness. And along with that came the discovery of Kolchak the Night Stalker. Um, and then eventually I saw Blackula and I'll I'll get back to that. But, um, you know, all of that sneaking around, of course, eventually <laughs> led to me being terrified out of my mind as I finally do go to sleep. So then that's when I started delving into the research and the actual uh, just sort of knowing like let's say a monster were to show up in the bedroom what would i do and then so then i as a, even as a little kid in order to get to go to sleep i actually convinced myself that yeah all right i'm good because i know this i know this you I looked know at that, it from a that. practical standpoint like I, if I was a very practical were, six-year-old we pretty, yes, much, I was. we pretty
3: much were the same kid i think <laughs> yeah yeah Pretty pretty practical. Yeah, I would watch. Old. I would watch enough. Like I would sneak down to watch like th- anything that was basically horrifying, and mm-hmm. then I couldn't sleep, and then I had to convince myself that I could take care of business if it went down. Like okay, exactly. I know but things.
0: Is, is that the switch that happens in your head? Because there are those, say me, who see something <laughs> scary and go, "Well, fuck this forever."
3: You know. To be honest, <laughs> I No, but to be honest, what it got it? What got me was I. It It made me feel more like you could watch a comedy or you could watch any other movie and, and you could just go, right. okay. And then like kind of go home, sit down and eat a sandwich or who cares. And then a horror movie would literally stick with you. And it would like, that was the part that intrigued me about it. Like a whole theater of people screaming and then you leave and you're like, I'm fucked up. I got like, it's taken a while for me to It makes you actually feel so much that I was like, Oh my mm-hmm. God, I'm, now I'd want more of this. Yes. And I know it's fake, but man, that was so like, you know, no, no other movies really like gripped me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you, you you laugh you have a few chuckles at some films but then it's like if it's a serious like not that i'm
0: it wasn't even like slasher movies it was more like monster films yes, that did it exactly but everybody seems to find mm-hmm. their their niche like you know like some people nowadays it's all zombies but for you even back then it was vampires and vampires mm-hmm. were only like re- really kind of the the hammer films were the one thing that kind of tied everybody together there wasn't that much hammer
2: films and of course a, a man that you probably know uh dan curtis mm-hmm. He, you know, he was the force behind, excuse me, Dark Shadows and and Kolchak and a bunch of other stuff. And Dark Shadows was cool, too. That's another
0: thing, you know?
3: Right. It was, I mean. Oh, yes. But, yeah.
0: um, So you're arming yourself mentally in case shit goes down. Absolutely. So
2: then it became okay to just take on more and more and more. And I, you know, and and Mike brings up a good point that I, I think to some degree we're kind of like adrenaline junkies. Yeah.
3: That's what it is. It makes you, you know. kind of feel like, you know. Yeah. Oh no doubt, and as a kid too, you're just like I don't know what this is, but man, like it's kind of I kind of don't want it. it's like going on a, like a scary roller coaster. Yes. Why do people do that? You know, yes. and some people are terrified of them because but then you're
0: nothing's all... going to kill you. Well, it might. You never know. It might. If but you've there's been on the a cyclone? kid hitting a lever, and I trust him.
3: There's a cyclone. I've been on. The, I go on the cyclone every time I go to Coney. It's my favorite roller coaster. I do think I may die when I'm on it. But then the guy will be like, "Hey, give me two bucks. You go around again." I'd be like, "Here's the bucks. Here you go." <laughs> Usually, I've had a few Nathan's and the a Cyclones a, is a Brooklyn
2: institution. Yeah. But um, <laughs> anyway, but then the other thing is, as I as I got older, I'm and I started to notice, you know, from a socially conscious standpoint, how African Americans were and people of color in general, how they're handled in horror movies, which sometimes, you know, left a little to be desired. But first of all, there's the general Hollywood. Uh, fact of life of of just that you know it's like sometimes the characters are not flushed out properly very stereotypical um and and that started to ring to me to a certain degree because it's like okay well here's this some this here's this thing that i love that doesn't necessarily love me back so somewhere along that way i discovered the blackula movies blackula and scream blackula scream 70s movies, uh, about <clears throat> basically the movies are about an African prince who is in fact turned into a vampire by Count Dracula himself, and then deposit somehow is deposited into 1970s uh, California where he goes on a brief little rampage for two movies, and then that's kind of done. But the thing that rang true to me with those two movies is that the character was not, you know, a jive talking yo what's up what's happening it was very dignified with a
0: cape (laughs) right
2: (laughs) not that dolomite's a bad thing you know necessarily dolomite is very exactly (laughs) you know i've gone to see dolomite's show live at uh bb king's as a matter of fact yes um (laughs) lots of fun um best part about that just to sidetrack best part about that all the uh midwesterners that brought their kids that didn't they just brought their kids to a show not realizing that he was literally going to come out on stage and and do limericks about fucking a goat in a coat and a pig in a wig so yeah and then they would just they just got up and I got better seats cuz I got to move up but anyway um so blackula <laughs> blackula was portrayed by William Marshall who was this very dignified, deep voiced Shakespearean trained actor? And he and and it was like, Yeah, that's how black folks should be in horror movies. That's what I'm talking about. And then as uh, the years went on, I and I became a stage manager that still needed a creative outlet because, as we've just discussed, that job while it's challenging um, while it it can provide a a, a nice income and a career and all that other stuff, it's not a creative outlet. It's more a logistical thing. So, you know, sans creative outlet. I sat down and I started writing uh, these three books and they're basically about an 1860s Georgia plantation slave who becomes a vampire. Um, And the three
0: books are basically his adventures that bring him to modern time and but there's there's everyone always has you know i like it when there's a twist that i didn't think of you mm-hmm. know when i read is you know we're all comic nerds here yes and uh some more so than others uh but like you you have an idea that i had never heard of before mm-hmm. of how someone becomes a vampire
2: yes well you know er, <clears throat> as i delved into the culture i learned that authors from anne rice to stephen king and everybody else uh they all would take their own little twist on the rules. Yeah. On the rules. Yeah. Exactly. So, my twist on the rules was that in order to become a vampire, you have to be bitten by a male and a female. And I I went through this whole like science enzyme thing and hormones and whatever. And in the book, I explain it a lot better than I will right now. But, um,. <clears throat> yeah that, so that was that was one of my little additions or addendums to the uh, to the methos
0: I think it 's cool because it's you don 't i 've never heard that, and after a while, like when you read comics and fantasy and stuff you 're basically just there 's what ten stories that are told like you 're basically seeing the same story over and over again right. with different people 's twists, so when I hear something brand new i 'm like, oh shit, right on, yeah. good for you. when did you start writing Brookwater's Waters curse? <laughs> I started uh,
2: late 90s, right around the time I started Total Request Live, oddly enough.
0: Interesting how a vampire idea came out of working on a <laughs> daily live <laughs> show geared towards teenagers. Yeah, how about that?
1: Mm. If only you could market vampire stuff to teenagers.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and you know, the funny thing is, I, I just, I just didn't have the mental capacity for making a tweeny sparkly romance novel so that never you know Vampires unfortunately that shiny. never occurred to me is
1: that i mean what's that like though i mean like is it like ugh, like i've been doing this like legit thing and then like or is it like you appreciate it a different level because i know you're a fan of the twilight stuff so like, are you huge really?
0: huge Really? I thought no. you
1: read those. Books. I did Please read them. Doesn't mean I like them. But you got through re- all the. I mean, like uh, yeah. The but that's just the, that's the nerd
0: barely... in me. It's just like oh fuck. I right, see
3: what the fuck happens. Let's just let's just get this out of the way. This Twilight <laughs> thing. <All right. laughs> my wife, my wife got into the Twilight thing when it first started happening. And As I'd, did mine. Look, it's okay to bend some rules and create new, you know, versions of the rules, which I like absolutely. What I don't. All right, so I went to actually go see this with her. I drank uh a bunch before i went to the theater and i was like i really don't want to and she's like just come on and it was me and literally like 400 like teenage girls and their moms and my wife and i was out loud i would say things like where's the teeth where's the they don't have teeth i'm always like it's just that their their teeth are extra sharp to begin with and I was like, "That's bullshit." Where's the fangs? And they, they don't have fangs. And I was like, "I got I'll a go dentist f- on Nostrand Avenue that can hook me up with that." I was like, Dude, "Those guys have like nice veneers, like they're beautiful teeth, but I don't want that." And then, and I was like, "But they're outside. They're outside when it's the sun doesn't cook them. No, they shimmer. What do you mean they? They have like sparkles. They sparkle in the sunlight." That sucks. Like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. Then, not, I can't even, like, there's so much, but then they bring they You didn't bring like
0: something that was immensely popular they did
3: very well? That's shocking. They went into, so I was like, well, there's werewolves in this too, right? Yeah. All right, cool. Those fucking werewolves are, dude, what's cooler than, like, a, a beast man that comes, you know, like this, you break out, rip out of your, you know, clothes, you're this crazy half man, half beast. No, no, no. They turn into, like, big cuddly puppies. What? But that's a giant wolf. Yeah, I mean it's scary, but no. But where's the wolf, the man wolf part? No, 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 no. They're just big, cuddly, like cute dogs. That's fucking bullshit too. So a whole thing. I just hated all of it. Like, there's not even. I get that it's teeny bopper and it's cute and like they hire good looking people and whatever. That who's that girl? Well, the
0: man? sunlight thing. That I mean, that goes back to uh, Stoker. That's the, the mythos. Here's like yeah. here's the thing. You know what kills vampires? Sunlight. That's it. Yeah. No, he, no,
3: Dracula could walk but, around her in the day. No, and, no that's true. Yeah. That's that's a good point. And Blade, too. There's a whole... No, and there's, well, like, Blade is a hybrid. Right, which is also a totally awesome idea. I well, like how, all of that. Yeah, too. Did you
0: read Blade when he first came out in Marvel? I have the first comic, uh, his first appearance. Now, how stoked were you? Like, like, you're like, oh, was it like, finally? Well,
2: I mean, at, at that time, I was a small child, so I hadn't quite put together, you know, you know what I now appreciate. Old understand, white dudes
0: writing a black superhero. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> the exactly. The, the, the good times when of it comics. first
2: happened. Right when it first happened, um, and it's so funny because I don't know if you you've ever seen that comic, but he's not the he's not wearing black leather and he's got all sorts of like silver Batmanish type weapons. He's literally he's literally Shaft. He has a fro, goggles. Uh, a brown jacket that you would have seen brothers wear, you know, like like a, a jacket straight out of American Gangster, yeah, basically the movie, the Denzel movie, mm-hmm. of American Gangster, something something along those lines, and wooden throwing daggers that he kind of had strapped around his his way, and he evolved into the guy that you see now. But, the, but was the backstory still that he was a hybrid? The backstory was pretty much the same. Okay, so that's cool. Yeah, so he's Very a hybrid cool.
1: of human and vampire? Or, yes. Well, his okay. mother was
2: bitten. His mother was bitten while she was pregnant,
3: which is so right. Ra- I think that's a cool concept. Like, yeah, the fact, yeah, the fact
2: you know, that Mar Wolfman came up with that, I mean, you got to give him credit yeah, for that. That's a pretty that's cool like, concept. Like, that's next level. He, he must have had some good hash or some shit. Yeah. When, during when during, that his, one hit during his
0: tenure at Marvel, he, he did quite a bit. Oh, yes. He pulled out a, I mean, he's the one that brought the, the Invaders back, which I was a huge fan of. That's right. Which was really cool. But he, like, you know, he did stuff so well that he went over to DC and they did the new Teen Titans Mm -hmm. and had, you know, another African-American superhero, one of the first, was Cyborg. You know what I mean? That's right. So when I see characters like that, you know, growing up, I I grew up as an army brat, so it was just all cultures together and there were no races. There was officers enlisted, but there weren't races. You just hung out with everybody, didn't give a shit. So when I would read a comic, I wouldn't think of it on that level. As I get older now and I'm reading stuff and I'm like, man, the Avengers are white. Except for this guy who has black in front of his name. I didn't realize how obnoxious and racist that was (laughs) until now. I get that he's Goliath, but this one's black Goliath. That's (laughs) fucked up. And there you go. Awfully fucked up. Oh yeah. So when so so you're writing your stories and was there I mean, who did you have to look up to in the fantasy world that spoke to you? Like did you feel like, oh shit, I have to fill this need or like, fuck it, this is what I like. I'm just gonna write it. Uh no, it was really more what I felt was missing.
2: You know, and it was a very dignified. At least I'm aiming for dignified yet exciting. When I when I put together the, the my main character, um, I often get the the whole. Oh, so he's like Blade, and it's like no, 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 no. He's not like Blade because first of all, he's a full on vampire, and he has full on vampire issues. Uh, <clears throat> the twist is really not so much being like Blade as it is more acknowledging. The fact that, well, you know, if you were a, a black vampire wandering the streets, you'd actually have to be more concerned about stuff like Stop and Frisk.
0: <laughs> Why am I laughing? That's true know, and awful.
2: But, <laughs> but it, you know, it, it's like, that's the thing. Yeah, it's like I it, in a lot of the other vampire fair or whatever, you know, it, it's like it's either you're a human or you're a vampire. And, and then, of course, as it's become more politically incorrect or, or more politically correct or, or more of... A mechanism to add color to the cast of your movie then you know yes of course then there's going to be black characters and everything else like that but in the case of being a vampire like think about that if I were walking the streets with silver daggers around my waist I wouldn't just have to worry about my vampire fighting now would I, I there would be the extra of it's like okay so hey guy in black leather coat Uh, uh, come talk to me for a second it'd be you know the police it would just be
0: an added thing is is that how does that evolve in your stories with like you know dare i assume aside from okay so he's black and he's a vampire and there are other vampires and they're white are they racist to him as well no 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 Uh, the way i i constructed that is that for the most part
2: the white vampires are enlightened so it's not an issue for them at all. What blood is the blood. issue, right? <laughs> the issues come from the fact that if he if my main character is walking down the street or wherever and he sees someone like like he sees some cops beating up a black guy for no reason, you know, then he has to struggle with okay, do I intervene? Whereas a white vampire would be like, "Oh, human nonsense," and he'd just keep going so it's really what the the twist on that end is what he cares about as a you know the fact that the things the fact that what he cares about doesn't change just because he's a vampire
0: if that makes any sense that does make sense because it's like you would care about that anyway just being a vampire is just who he is
1: right see
2: social
0: satire
1: how far ahead do you kind of work out the story arc like when you're doing a series like do you have like all like 10 books from now figured out or oh, god, get- no. <laughs> oh god no oh god no because
2: you know as you guys know i also spend 10 hours a day in a television studio <laughs> right so that would all be pretty <laughs> difficult um and as it is i i don't sleep i um <laughs> I, I haven't uh been able to start you know a family well there's other reasons why i haven't been married or anything like that but
1: are you a vampire
2: uh no
3: um do you think that would actually make things the, easier do you think you'd make a good do you think you would make a good vampire like would you would you be into it or like i i think about stuff like that and i'm always like what would it be like to just be like first of all immortal like would you get bored like eventually would you just be like dude i'm 900
2: well you know Shit what still
3: sucks like uh, is it like or do you think it would be kind of amazing and like you know interesting and
2: i think it would be interesting but then at the same time and i'm just already starting to touch on this I I touch on this a little bit in the third book. And when I do the fourth and what will probably be the final in the series, um, I'm touching what I'm going to touch on more. So is just the fact that as he's gotten older, I mean, even though he doesn't look any different, he's becoming more cantankerous, more annoyed by young, annoyed by young people, nonsense and that's that's already played into the story like a couple of times is like cuz this one time he finds out that his uh, there's this one part in the second book where he finds out that his uh grandchild and by the way he's the only vampire that can have children in the whole mythos i like but that i'll touch I'll, yeah, i like that okay i'll i'll flip into that more in the fourth book and because as as you look at me like that it's like there's been pl- plenty of people that are like okay why is he the only one that can have kids It's like I I do have something worked out where in the fourth book that's going to be the, you know, be a big discovery, a big aha moment. But he confronts this boy, this crack dealing boyfriend of his granddaughter. And he does it in a way that a very old school black person would, you know, just kind of slap him around. And, you know, that's the kind of stuff that from that's the kind of stuff that's fun for me because it helps me vent. On social issues, mm-hmm. so that's, that's cool.
3: And I mean, I do think people don't think about that. Like when you people watch shows like True Blood or whatever, right? And you you know you're talking about like do you, do you watch True Blood? Yeah, I mean, I've watched absolutely. I've watched it since I have to, though, so I don't do anything that they do.
2: Well, here's the thing too. Here's
3: the other thing too. It's like I'm annoyed by it, but I'll totally watch it. And like you know, I literally I'm, oh yeah, and they, they're
2: totally off the rails They completely as far they've as gone off the like, end, making and, any
3: kind of sense, right? But like also like you know, everyone's like fighting over Eric or Bill. And I'm like, dude, they're old dudes. Like you don't even think about like you. Oh, I want to suck that 800 year old cock. And wait, first of all, second
0: <laughs> second by the thing way, is this, I don't mean to be. Great, Gross, but like do they come blood is that because they cry blood we don't so is get that what well, this you're this is another thing so i'm also
3: like there's a lot of these like sex the true blood they do like crazy sex scenes where it's oh, like you yeah. know and it's like they do this like rapid vampire fucking and it's so weird it's like bizarre speed fucking and like okay but vampires would be very cold to the touch am i right i mean it wouldn't be yeah. nice to snuggle in bed <laughs> with a vampire they're gonna be cold and kind of smelly most likely they don't they, they're dead people mm-hmm. in mean, they're undead but they're they're so physically could they get boners is my question and i didn't i don't know how like that they do they have to drink blood and then they get a boner for a certain amount of time but unless they have more blood i mean let's face it the 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 vampire you actually
2: broke down the actual science and which is why no one does this right if you actually broke down the actual science it makes no sense this is what i think about all the time so (laughs) and and no i'm with you but at the same time for me, that's why, one, why I understand, I don't understand the speed fucking. I, yeah, that's, such That's weird. bizarre. Yeah. But I do, <laughs> I do adhere to a certain notion because I don't touch on any of that in in my stuff because it's always made sense to me that vampires be attractive to a degree and not even so much like overly y like the Twilight cast. Right, right, right. What I mean is just the fact that, you know, in a, let's say in a pickup scenario, a vampire does well. Right. Not for the simple fact that if you are a vampire that has no game, again using finger quotations you're, you're not going to be eating <laughs> then that well you're, yeah. exactly
1: yeah. then you don't yeah. eat right and maybe there were some and they all died out right so they only
0: that's evolution. Evolution yeah. too. totally right so it's but like, you know it, vampires like, and darwinism i'm liking where this is going right
2: you know right. so um yeah to me it never you know i i stay away from anybody smelling bad or anything like that because ultimately it's you like you need to be attractive you, right? you do have to be attractive you do have to you know, get people in bed.
0: So, right. how stoked are you for the strain? I'm very stoked for that. See, that goes. I'm going to enjoy that. That's good. That? It's Guillermo del Toro's new vampire series. It's on. Big like Fox. A, yeah, something, and it's and it's the complete opposite. It's like the older you get as a vampire, you turn into like a slug, blood sucking creature. Like you don't, you're not a. You're not like this. Yeah, yeah no. This like ageless, you know, yeah. beautiful. Person. I don't know if I can handle it. I'm I'm such a wuss. No, your books—is it all self-published? No, I actually have
2: a publisher now. I started self-published. I have a publisher, very small press. Um, Oh, and I'm actually in the Horror Writers Association of America now. So how do do you get in that? Uh, royalties. Well, you know, after I got a publisher, then you know, just compiled the uh, you know what the royalties were, and you know, you submit your paperwork to uh, horror writers, and uh, they accepted me. Right on. So I have Uh, meetings. My you know, the networking will uh, take on a, a whole new thing. And uh, I was telling Mike that uh, uh, going to the uh, uh, Bram Stoker Awards, going to hang out with those folks out there in Atlanta. Uh, and it's, uh, I think it's May, May of 2015. Oh, what about Comic Con? Um, oh, and, and that's right. And they'll have a, a, a table at Comic Con. So I'll be at Comic Con and I'll have some time. San Diego? No, New York. New York one. I mean, it'd be it's,
0: awesome. Dude, that's incredible. That's really cool because I I I think we were at one where, I mean, you would go have a table and you have to set it up yourself, new little shebang. And that's expensive. It ain't cheap. God bless it. Yeah. Now, there are other, I remember you and I were talking years ago about um, Milestone. Mm. And when that came out, you know, it was was DC's uh, multicultural arm. It was almost affirmative action for comics, but it was cool. And they put in some really, really awesome characters um uh icon uh one shockwave which is uh not shockwave static static shock thank you that's still like you know even spread into like as far as you know the justice league animated series which is mm-hmm. awesome but what's always fascinating to me about that is that you have you know the i don't want to say mainstream but you have you know what everybody knows then you have this arm of books, mm-hmm. which is, you know, minority-driven, and there's conventions for this, there's organizations that's for right. this. So now that you're in that association, is there also an arm of that for, you know, the African-American horror writers and things of that ilk? Uh,
2: it looks like uh, it's all just one group right now. Okay. And I'm actually okay with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's fine.
2: I mean, um, I don't know how many... I mean, honestly, I, I, I don't know how many other black folks you know are are out there it's like i know octavia butler and mm-hmm. you know and uh la banks who passed away a couple of years ago and um you know there's a handful of us out there i just met a gentleman uh who's also in hwa with me mark abbott who's also a fellow brooklynite and everything else like that and yeah and you can imagine the the nerd session that the two <laughs> of us had like oh my god um and he's working on something right now, which is just amazing. It's like a, a, an angel on trial in heaven type thing. And, it, yeah, it, it's like there, there's people out there. But, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's enough to, to to start a whole other side convention yet. If anything, I mean, I would probably just, just latch on to uh, – you know, East Coast Black Age of Comics, or uh, the one in Detroit, and because there's a there's a few that just pop up now. Every in in most most cities where you find black folk, um, <laughs> you know, there's i I've never now been to convention. those. What are those like? Um, <laughs> are the
0: meetings hard to get into? Do you uh, talk?
2: for you maybe? <laughs> All right. I, I could I could make a couple of calls Fair ahead enough. of time.
0: Fair for you. enough, Because you know. I think the Jewish ones happen around the same time. I'm not sure, Jonah. If that's correct or. If they- <laughs> I don't know, man. This is not my. <laughs> but those, the expertise. people that started those
2: conventions, I mean, I think you know, a lot of them a little older than us, and uh, I think their mindset was, you know, after seeing things, you know, so many years of the heroes with the word black in their name, and 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 seeing attempts at inclusion, but those attempts kind of feeling flat you know it, it, and just the fact that you know between that and the few artists that are out there that are african american that are actually doing stuff for dc and marvel and and you don't know like eric battle and i think we we've talked about eric battle who's done work on batman and mm-hmm. specter yeah, and all that other stuff and i don't know if anybody knows it Eric is a six one brother with dreads that is the nicest guy in the world, but he's like super talented but but he's a brother, and you will catch him at a convention just as easily as you will catch him at some you know jembe festival you know it's 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 just you know because he's
0: you know he's what a, are the jembe festivals like i mean are they hard to they're very loud okay i figure <laughs> <laughs> well like uh, rob gilroy who who um who draws chew. Mm-hmm. which is one of the best comics out there now, which is one of those fun stories where it's, you know, uh, you know, uh, an Asian-American main character written by a white dude, you know, drawn by a black guy. Like, it's it's almost like in the, what always gets me about the nerd world is that's the last place you expect, you know, bullshit to happen, you know? And it's, all, and it's almost like we're so used to it that you don't think about, those characters like you know uh what's marvel going to do with the uh, black panther because you know they're going to gear up towards it like are they going to call it the black panther and pull the well the panther it's that's the name of the animal like like what are they going to do you know yeah
2: no i well i mean i i am still trying to figure out what they're going to do in terms of a movie right yeah you know, um i mean i don't but see you, any- did you see
0: winter soldier I did see Winter Soldier. Uh, uh, That, like, for me, set the standard for the new superhero flicks. Yeah. Like, especially what they did with the Falcon, because I loved the Captain in America Falcon series as a kid. Mm -hmm. Like, I I didn't realize that was not a a super team for the longest time, that Cap was something separate and Falcon was separate. I thought that was just so smart and just indicative of the time period. Most likely written by a white dude. But still... Like I enjoyed it, and I love the inclusion of that character. Yes. And it wasn't the Black Falcon or the no. Black Condor, which oddly <laughs> enough, was a white character, when you think about it. Totally forgot about that. Freedom Fighters. Nerd time. Nice. But, see? D- digging into
3: crates, folks. Right? <laughs> yeah. Digging into crates. Freedom Fighters. Let's let's uh, go back to being nerds. Somebody uh, gave you a Midtown uh, gift card. We were talking about this the other day. Oh my god, yes. Do you have your phone? I, I like to bring up visuals I on podcasts. Do. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, so, yeah, so go ahead. Now, when someone gives you being, you know, nerdy guy who collects but like myself and, you know, wants things, they go, here's a gift card to Midtown for... We're talking it- about
1: Midtown Comics, yes. everyone.
3: Yeah, sorry. Midtown Comics. <laughs> People uh, might think you're talking about the area thank of New you, York. Uh, they give gift cards to a part of the city? They If you live here, they do. They get a <laughs> gift card to the Mid- to Midtown. Uh, Midtown Comics. So you get a gift card for 50 bucks and you end up spending... Oh, uh, about 300. Maybe, But 300. then you feel
1: like you're making money because you get when you spend x amount <laughs> you get points if you tell me your birthday so it's like uh, it's the best it's, day it's a, ever yeah. it is yeah uh i'll so, pass this around so this, this is buy? what i bought just
2: describe because it to i it. have no self-control whatsoever <laughs> oh, it's, shit. it's steven is making that face that is scary
0: that's phenomenal
2: <laughs> it's Dude. and this is because because marvel has basically screwed up their current incarnation of dracula (laughs) i'm a much bigger fan of the 70s original marv wolfman you know sort of like chintzy little mustache
0: mustache,
3: guy i mean the whole the widow's peak the mustache even the the exactly the the bat over here we'll we'll
0: share this this picture on our site so you can all see how we're all thrilled by it
2: um so yeah it's uh it's about about 18 inches tall (laughs) And it's sitting on the coffee table. And just to bring things back, because I realize you don't know this, I inherited your coffee table. What? (laughs) Wait. The coffee table from the show? Yes, I inherited the coffee table. Because it was. Here's the thing about Fuse they've canceled so many shows that. you know it, it 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 they just have no storage space so uh someone who shall remain nameless was nice enough to let me have the coffee table i love that yes and and think about it. who else really has the decor that the coffee table that's would true
0: that's true yeah
2: just about me and that's about it the, that piece couldn't go into a lot of homes no It was a a magnificent coffee And every time they would bring it out to kind of test it on a different show, I'd be like, God, I want this coffee table. God, I want this coffee (laughs) table. Who do I talk about about getting this coffee table? And I I harassed people until they gave me the coffee table.
0: And I think that's very smart because when that show ended, as did our tenure there, I think... We all allegedly left with a few things, so it's very good that you were included with that. Right? Really?
1: Yes. I didn't know that.
0: No, I didn't know that either. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no. I did take a six-foot
3: mummy from Fuse and carry it through <laughs> Penn Station with me uh, and brought it on the train with me because they were like, we're going to get rid of this. It was from one of the, maybe it was like a sauce Halloween episode. They mm-hmm. had like this giant mummy and I was like, what's going on with that mummy? And they were like, I don't know, I guess we're going to just like throw it out or in a closet. And I was like, I'll take it. And they were like, really? What are you going to do with it? I was like, take it home and put it in my, in my apartment. You're like, look at me. What do you think I'm going to do with it? I a uh, I, carri- yeah, I carried it home. I ca- went on the train. It, through Penn Station, nobody really looked twice because it's Penn Station. You know, everyone's like, oh, dude with a mummy, who cares? And yeah. then I got on the train and we actually had I had people taking pictures with me and the
0: mummy on the train ride home. Yeah, that's my question is, how did you get the coffee table back home?
2: Uh, it was in a storage space. I had a you know brother with a van. <laughs> Sounds Pick so it up. <laughs> you know he. Uh, I was actually working, so he had to go get get the coffee table in and just drive around with it until I got home. And um, then, yeah, then he you know pulled up and brought brought thing in, plopped it down.
0: Finally, I slipped him some Spore money. <laughs> uh brookwater's curse so you self-published the first one so when you get a publisher do you have to go okay you can have this one too or well the deal that we worked
2: out because we actually have like repackaging re-editing new covers the whole thing um <clears throat> so uh yeah that's kind of kind of what happened. we re-released the first two along with the third and that all happened in 2012 right on so uh I've started book four. I' little hard to say when book four will be released. Uh, I also, just a little side note. uh, I've just completed a serial killer novel um, that I will be putting out this year. Can
0: we? It's because I don't sleep. I dude, (laughs) I don't sleep either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So so what you're saying is you should start writing more. I should be writing more. Yeah, probably. So uh, can you announce the title of the serial killer book?
2: Uh, the, The title is The Genius. And it's a the the main character is a black female serial killer who, in all fairness, would probably kill little Wayne just as easily as she would kill Rush Limbaugh just for different reasons. I
0: like man, I hope that's the the tagline that you find on the cover. <laughs> Of the genius, she so, would probably kill Little Wayne. <laughs> some variation of that. I probably won't mention the actual names, dude. I think like, yet again, way to go for it because uh, one serial killers almost never women, and not too many stories written about them. Right, and then just tack on African American. There you go. Smart.
2: Well, Smart. I had my moments.
0: Yeah. Well, it's but it's also like I just love how it's it's coming from. This is what I would want to see, and then it fills a void. You know.
3: Yes. I just okay. need to know one thing too. This is as a as a kid who grew up watching like horror and you know getting freaked out. Is there any horror movie that you actually don't enjoy? You can't watch it because it actually bothers you. You have that one where you are like, yeah, not you know what, not watching that. Actually, that bugs me. Can't.
2: Well, you know this uh, relatively recent wave of torture porn movies. I'm not into those. Not into like, that. The Eli Roth. I, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I can't. I mean. And once I saw Saw one and two, had to be a better way to say that. I don't
3: that. really like watching that. Yeah, yeah,
2: but you know, yeah, exactly. It's like I was like, I kind of get it. I certainly don't need to see four, or five, and whatever. Even though I think I've seen bits and you know, you're flipping channels in the middle of the night, whatever, right. and you say you catch part of this, part of that, whatever.
3: Yeah. And uh, what's the centipede business? I was just gonna bring up Human Centipede, and everybody, yeah. everybody knowing that I'm a horror fan, annoyingly when it first came out, I was like, "Dude, did you see Human Centipede?" Oh and I was like, "No, I don't want to see it." Like, what stitching somebody's mouth to
0: somebody's asshole? Because what is there like, besides the pitch? Here's the idea: we're gonna sew somebody's face to someone else's asshole, and, make and then, a movie then sew about another it. face to that asshole, and then watch them
3: crawl around. Like, uh, okay, yeah. Like yeah. would I do? I think that's a horrifying experience. Would I want to be part of that? No, no, of course but not. Did you watch it? Did you watch? The
2: no, movie? I didn't. I I read the premise and I thought about it. And again, because and I think you and I think the same way on this. It's like you're you know you're going to be fielding questions in right. your day to day life because you know people know us. But at the same time, it's like like okay, if I were hosting a show. On a regular basis, where I had to sit there and actually discuss all rant, you know, all sorts of horror stuff, this, that, like. Let's say I had my own podcast, where I had, you know, certain expectations laid upon me. I'd be forced to have. I would feel like I'd have to do that because it's like pop right. culture, right, right, right. And I feel like I'd have to answer to it to a certain so degree, to, right. I don't have these things.
1: I don't need to be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> right. it's, it's, it, it, I can spare myself that. We so don't either. Know. We can't get canceled, I don't think. No, nope. no. Nope. We can and keep that's, doing this yeah. as much as we go. want. Yeah, you could go to sleep right
3: now.
2: <laughs> but without the visual without the visual, <laughs> it it's really not the that wouldn't be the same. Do you at think it's hey, do you think You're it's right.
3: like it's like cheap? Like I mean, look, whoever wrote back to Humans, the human centipede, like do you think it's like just a cheap attempt like, okay, of course whoever wrote that now is gonna be now they got money and somebody bought it. Like Oh sure. Like would do you ever think like maybe it's like you know, and it is—it's like it's a shitty like idea. You're going to get a bunch of people to watch it, and it's not expensive. And now, look at that. Whoever directed it—I don't even know—but like that guy is now a director of horror films, which is something I would love to be doing. Would you ever think about like if you and I wrote like
1: I'd like Pride and Prejudice with zombies? Like that was like
3: a whole huge <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. And it's
1: like it's—I guess it's sort of a f- funny idea, right, but, but like, it's like
3: yeah. Now is that like—is it, is it? But is it worth like? Would you? You is I, it worth selling your soul? Like if you and I decide to co-write Human Dickapede and it's like uh, guys who stitch the dicks of the other guys into each hand and they have to elephant walk around, like, you know, Human Dickapede would do well. It, it Yeah, I, I, I feel what you're saying. <laughs> so I, like if we wrote Human Dickapede and it worked and we got like a lot of money to make real movies, they'd be like, from the directors that bought you Human Dickapede. <laughs> It's now some real shit. Like, you know, like the guy that wrote Human Centipede, they made part two of it. I don't even know what what happens in part two. And they
0: didn't call it Human Millipede, which I just think is a cop out they should have called it human Millipede cuz it's I
3: like it's, human uh, Dicapede <laughs> better. <laughs> yeah. But human would sell first of all. Or dicopedia. Okay. Dicopedia. Yes. Um, and there it is. <laughs> and there it is. Um <laughs> And then we can get money to make real things like that we care about, but then we'd still be like directors of human Dicapede. Look, here's the thing.
2: If I was the big marketing strategist, I you know, I would be a lot further along with these three books from that standpoint right. uh than I am now. Uh obviously a lot of, we wouldn't be the first people to create some nonsense that pulp culture latched on to so then we could get money and then just do whatever the right. fuck we want right um like plenty of people do that like like george clooney of course who you know started off er and just doing random nonsense. You know, now he just makes movies just for the fuck of it, and right. it's always some shit he wants to do. It can make ten dollars. Yeah. He doesn't give a fuck anymore
0: because right. you know it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You can do ridiculous shit, and then you just do it to write your own ticket. And then look at you starting with art to begin with. You're yeah, dumb. Because <laughs> you know you've had I, some dumb idea in the back of your head that someone else has done, and it's pissed you off. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure that's happened to everybody sitting here. Nope. I have no ideas. Stop it. I just chat. (laughs) Uh, uh, Brookwater's Curse available on publisher's website, Amazon, like everywhere else? Yes. Right on. Steven Van Patten. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, fellas. Okay, so here's what's funny, is whenever you get, whenever we have a podcast uh, and we put up online, we... You know, get a fun photo to put up, and we get some really cool things. Um, Steve sent me a picture of himself uh, as Count Chocula. Wow. And he put it together, and I was like, oh, dude, I can't put that together because one, we're just going to look like racist (laughs) pricks. If we do that, I'm like, you can do that, and he said, "Well, here's the picture it came from, and it was him as Blackula," and I was like, "You asshole, we can't do that either." <laughs> Why can't we do it? Let's do it. Okay, fine, we'll do it. Let's do so, it. So, if you're looking at the picture of Stephen Van Patton as Blackula out right there, I he, feel like it's
1: more racist. He gave us that. Yeah, it's more racist not to do it because you're scared
0: to like offend. I know. I'm always scared to offend.
1: Everyone is so
0: easily offended these days. Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's very hard, but it's also very. I think it's kind of cool that people are a little more vocal about it, and I loved hearing steve's take on you know being african-american and into vampires and all of a sudden you're like wait this is what i get
1: yeah i thought that was super interesting mm-hmm. but what bugs me is like when people are like say like say stuff at like no personal risk to them i don't know i feel like there's so much stuff where like i'm gonna say this thing like congratulate me on how open-minded i am yeah it's like i feel like it's interesting like having someone like steve who like has like a real experience with this like i never thought about like growing up being into vampires and if I and not being white and not really being able to identify and like that to me is super interesting more than being like you know like don't like punch people in the face on the street like give me like a look how great I am for saying that it's like yeah Yeah. everyone knows that dude (laughs) (laughs) like don't like I feel like you're saying the most obvious stuff to like I don't know. Cover. Of, I always find. That, Sorry, I feel like this is just a thing that, like. Well, I found that if, just if, gotten so crazy.
0: And and trust me, I love risky humor, and I have my my own, you know, uh, personal choices of what I don't say. But I find that the people that get offended are usually the ones who had that thought. You know? Yes. That that I find to be the, the, the truest form. So it's very cool having uh, Stephen here. Check out his books. Uh, click on the links here on our wonderful page. And if, oh, speaking of clicking on links, there there's a donate button there. There is. And you can do that. You, you can take that word and use it as its defined intention and take some money and give it to us because all we do is spend our money on it. And we'd like to break even at some point before we hit 200 episodes. Yeah, I think that would be nice because I check that PayPal every day and man It's like a giant cavern of nothing. I do
1: not know how to even even how to check it I can barely even figure
0: out how to check my email very well done well played. <laughs> That's you. why we have Brad who makes everything sound <laughs> yeah. good.
1: I H- hire me to do some some technical work for you
0: Please <laughs> please you can, oh, and if you want to check out Jonah's writings He writes all the time. I do
1: I write a lot I've been writing a lot of stuff for noisy. Um, oh, and he has a, he has a band I have a band, United Nations. I have a web series called Sound Advice. So, um, Sound Advice, hilarious. Very, thank very, you, guys. Very thank funny. you, United thank Nations, you. hilarious. Thank very funny, we, so funny. <laughs> yes, it's you know, Jonah's love life, <laughs> hilarious. That is the funniest one of them all.
0: <laughs> nah. Um, Brad and I live vicariously because you get married when you go. I am so tired of being single. <laughs> dating, <laughs> dating sucks. It, yeah. I agree. <laughs> I agree. How can I never date again?
2: Jonah's doing it He's in a band He's a stud It doesn't have to date
1: I'm I'm, I'm in a band With a, a a demographic That is a lot of dudes Grind <laughs>
0: Grind core groupies Ladies and not, gentlemen That is not Loving
1: an elevator It is it's Grind it core core It's not what you think It's
0: not It's not
1: it's not what you think, guys. But it's, I, I, every, yeah, it's cool. Anyone that, anyone that supports anything that you do is, is great. So I am, whatever you look like, whatever
0: sex you are, uh, check out stuff. Stop trying to not offend people. <laughs> Go to slash going up track. Send us an email. If it's an email about how long our intros and outros are, we'll read them. We'll disregard it, but we'll read them. Send us something incredibly offensive. Please, for the love of God, do it. <laughs> and, uh, and also, thank you if you noticed that we got hacked and you emailed us about it. We really appreciate we it. We did? Yeah. Oh. Yep. It's cool. That's like how out of the loop I am. <laughs> Don't worry. I did what I always do. Tech thing.
1: Brad! Sounds like we got Steve Van Hacken.
0: See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>